0: Why does my battery on my laptop say one hour? Something's up with that. Not good. All right, here we go. Hey, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of April 2, 2012. This is episode 144. I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, we are the healthcare marketing firm that puts on the podcast with me today are my co-hosts
1: Jackie Ritako, account <clears throat> coordinator with Interval, and Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval.
0: Heidi Ho. Heidi Ho. What's up? It's April. It is. Is
1: it? Oh. <laughs> it is. <laughs> look at a calendar I just said it was April 2 oh. it will be well yes it is, it is for
0: our listeners
1: yeah Yes, it it is. for us it's a time us. warp
0: yeah we don't have to get into all that we know <laughs> it's a time warp We're, we confuse blah, people blah, I'm sure blah. do you think they get it? Uh, blah 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 <laughs> all right we have so much to get to that I don't think we have time for idle chit chat
1: all right well it's nice talking to you guys
0: <laughs> yeah nice talking to you <laughs> So we do have some announcements. Uh, First of all, again, be sure to join us at the National Healthcare Marketing Strategy Summit in Orlando. That is at the end of April. Uh, We have on tap for that conference a three-hour workshop on the first day, April 29th, for Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital. We have a presentation on Monday, April 30th. That's me and Chris Boyer talking about breaking the rules of website design. And we have Branding at the Bar, which is the evening of Monday the 30th, where you can have food, drink, great conversation, and a chance to win a gleaming new iPad 3. Mm -hmm. So join us there. Also, just to let you know where else uh, I'm speaking quite a bit, actually, this year. Uh, In May, May 16th, we'll be at uh, the Minnesota Health Strategy and Communications Network Conference, talking about wellness and branding. Uh, July 24th at the Indiana Hospital Association Communications Conference. That's another Joe Public presentation. And on October 5th, I will be joining the folks in Wisconsin at the uh, Miss Conference, it, which is right outside of Milwaukee. And that presentation is titled, Turning Your Marketing Upside Down, Five Radical Ideas from Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital. So it's going to go a little deeper into some of the uh some of the more contrarian advice that you find in there, such as stop your mass advertising already and focus on other things that are more effective. So, uh, hopefully, you can catch me out on the road somewhere. That's a lot. We look forward to seeing you. It is. I'm excited. I love doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You can find. I'm actually, I'm actually going to be four different cities in a week <clears throat> at the end of April because I also have some um, speaking at some private organization conferences. Uh, so, you know, you may or may not see me if you attend one of those, but uh, those aren't open to the public. But that'll be quite the roadshow for so. one week. Playboy Mansion is one of the stops, I think. Right?
1: <clears throat> yeah, private. It's
0: two of them actually. <laughs> I start. That's <laughs> one of his private presentations. <laughs>
1: exactly. It's private. Joe Public,
0: sorry. Yes. Joe Playmate doesn't. <laughs> Joe Pub- Jane Playmate doesn't care about your hospital. <laughs> Okay, so what else can we update you on? We are uh, smack dab in the midst of the Supreme Court hearings on the Obamacare legislation, which, again, is the what? Do you guys remember from our last burning at the bar what that's called? Good Lord, no. no. Did anybody get that? No. I believe it's the—I'm going to go off the top of my head—the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act— Couldn't they have just called it the Affordable Care Act? That's what most people refer to it, actually.
1: I know. It's the part uh, that confuses uh, me. I was like, well, what what was it that was tacked onto there again? That part I can remember. Let's just, we'll leave it at that.
0: Well, the name, many would say the name is a nice symbol for what the the legislation (laughs) is. A big jumble. (laughs) But uh, we won't get political. We don't have time for it. Uh, But it's very interesting to... I think it's been fascinating that they released the tapes each day of all that's going on. And I think it's really interesting to listen to some of those. Or uh, I listen to Minnesota Public Radio discuss those. And uh, most people seem to think that based on the questioning uh, from the justices that the mandate itself is probably in great danger. Uh, whether or not the entire law will be struck is is definitely up for uh debate, though it's always dangerous to guess what they're going to do based on their questioning. And we, there's actually a Weekly Probe article that is now out that takes another stab at trying to guess what's on the justices' mind. Uh, we won't give you the, the tip to it, but you can check out weeklyprobe.com and, and uh, see how our analysts at the Weekly Probe are determining how they're going to rule Uh, I also have a blog post that I think is related to this, and we've got a real quick story that I think helps sum up this whole reform. Uh, But you can check out on chrisbevelo.com the latest blog post. It's called Can You Sleep at Night? And it really is trying to tie what we do in healthcare marketing, which we've spent a lot of time uh, kind of just talking through this uh, on our podcast and other ways, uh, and what we can or cannot do overall, to help the system function better, so uh, I try to address that, and the, the you know the end result is basically, if you're being an effective steward of your marketing dollars uh, and making sure that every dollar is spent uh, in an effective and efficient way, then then you should feel good about how you're contributing to the healthcare system. So you can read more about that in the blog post, but I do want to get to this. I think this is just awesome. This is a post from. Um, medical news online Uh, and the author is Gary Schweitzer and he's writing about a deal. He received a daily deal coupon. He doesn't uh, give the vendor in it, which is interesting, but he does show uh, the actual coupon that he received. And I'm just going to read this to you because it is pretty bad. Uh, It shows a person like sitting at the computer, like holding his back And he's in pain. Okay, that's the picture. And the headline says, been dealing with a minor ache or pain? Get it checked out today. So the deal is $75 for a preventative MRI scan at this organization. And the copy says, once in a while, you may experience an enlightening moment in your life. This experience may change the way you see yourself, your health, or your livelihood. At our MRI Pathways Clinic, we offer you the chance for one of those moments of clarity. We provide you with the opportunity to appreciate and better understand the inner intricacies of parts of your body, such as your spine, your joints, or your pelvis through an MRI scan. I can't help but (laughs) laugh. this. Or perhaps, are you puzzled by why you've been having sinus pain, back pain, or knee pain? Are you tired of ongoing treatments that waste your time and money? Are you curious about what is really happening inside you? An MRI-based health screening can help you get on the right path to appropriate treatment and a healthier life. Nice. Uh, And so his comment is, so online shoppers looking for bargains should get a coupon for an MRI for, quote, minor ache or pain, unquote. And then he says, "And we wonder why we lead the world in per capita healthcare spending <laughs> and in percentage of GDP devoted to healthcare spending." So, yeah, that kind of sums up part of the problem with our system, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah,
1: I think so. That's pretty interesting. Let
0: me see if I can get a. It's amazing.
1: Let see if I can get a refund on my living social deal here. Hold on. We don't. What's that? I said I was going to. I'm going to see if I can get a refund on my living sh- my living social deal
0: here. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know which I see if I can get a ref. Well, oh, go ahead, Jackie. Well, I was just
1: going to say we don't know which um which vendor sent this whether it's Groupon or Living Social or anything. We don't know which one it is. Right.
0: Right. I can't tell from the image and he doesn't say. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he's concerned about, you know, sharing it. Well, they obviously weren't. No. <laughs> and it's it's really gratuitous that this is what they would do and mm-hmm. You know, to encourage people to get an MRI, um, you know, just because you feel an ache or a pain is just not the appropriate pathway. A sinus even pain? Even though that's their name, <laughs> MRI pathways. Yes, I've got sinus pain, so I'm going to get an MRI. But anyway, so just thought we'd share that. I also want to share uh, a great story, an awesome story that, again, arrogant healthcare marketing Bastard's podcast can take credit for this, I believe. <laughs> so in our local paper, the Star Tribune, they recently had yet another story about physicians suing uh, somebody who criticized them online. Uh, mm-hmm. The name of the, the article is Doctor Suit Test Limit of Online Criticism. So I'll just read you in this case. We've heard these before and we've talked about them, but here's the setup for this one. Two years ago, Dennis Lorian logged on to a Rate Your Doctor website to vent about a Duluth neurologist, Dr. David McKee. McKee had examined Lorian's father, Kenneth, when he was hospitalized after a stroke. The family, Lorian wrote, wasn't happy with his bedside manner. Quote, when I mentioned Dr. McKee's name to a friend who was a nurse, <clears throat> she said... Dr. McKee's a real tool," he wrote. So there's another <laughs> reference. <laughs> McKee wasn't amused. He sued Lorian for defamation, and now the case is pending before the Minnesota Supreme Court. So it kind of goes on to tell about what some of his um, bad bedside manner was, and one of them was kind of like um, he was the patient had been in the ICU, and when the doctor saw him, he was out of it. And he made some kind of comment, apparently, like, oh, good to see you here, because there's only two places to go from the ICU. You die or you come here. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So anyway, you know, we won't get into the details of it. Uh, you, uh, Hopefully, if you listen to our podcast, you know what our take is on suing people uh, who dare to question your bedside manner or rate you in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Our advice would be... Please focus your energy on improving your experience right, uh, and handling it the right way. So when we talked about this last, which I think was about a year ago, uh, we also talked about this uh, physician, Jeffrey Siegel, who had started this uh, kind of consulting where he was encouraging physicians to have all patients uh, preemptively sign a contract saying, if I treat you, you will not say anything negative to me. About me on the internet, which again we just thought was ass <laughs> Uh And if somebody had presented any of us with that, we would have crumpled it up and thrown right, it in their face and it. said, you know, yep, see you later. So this is the part where clearly Dr. Siegel has heard our podcast, and uh, because this comes out in this article, it talks about how more than a dozen defamation suits have been filed since 2004 of this nature, uh, and. It says, some medical practices have even tried to silence critics by requiring patients to sign a form, forbidding them from posting comments. This is what we just talked about. But Dr. Jeffrey Siegel, a North Carolina neurosurgeon who promoted the controversial forms, says he's since had a change of heart. He retired them, quote, unquote, last year in the face of widespread criticism. Now his firm, MedicalJustice.com, advises doctors how to use consumer websites to their advantage. Quote, doctors need to know how they're being perceived, he said. If you've got 100 people saying he's a jerk, maybe he's a jerk, he said. <laughs> no. <laughs> but the vast majority of reviews are positive, he noted. Uh, most of the time, Siegel said, a negative review can be neutralized with something as simple as saying, hey, I was having a bad day, sorry, or calling the patient to apologize for getting off on the wrong foot. Those words often solve the problem, he said. Totally. To which I would say, no bleep. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So we can chalk Genius. up another one for the good guys.
1: <laughs> I like some of the quotes that were in there toward the end. Let me see. I got to bring the story back up.
0: Blah, blah.
1: Where'd it go? There it is. <clears throat> um, well, I had them highlighted. Now I lost them. <laughs>
0: We don't have to waste time trying to find I him. found the cure to the disease of the plague of the 21st century, and now I've lost it. <laughs> Sorry, that was my Sean Connery. Bad.
1: They were pretty bad, bad, though. Yeah. I mean, if what the patients say, like one of the patients, uh, what, they, what they say, he said during their experience, it was pretty, it, just utter lack yes. of compassion. Oh, Totally. I mean, they should they should be able to be criticized just like every other, you know, you go into a restaurant, you have a bad experience, you're not sued, you know? I mean, it's Here's just what, like you, you kind of come back and you, you know, you address yeah, it I, like I how think, you were just saying, Chris, at the end, you just, you know, sorry, you know, I was having a bad day or sorry you had to deal with this, but I don't know. I just think he, it's interesting that they're suing. Well, with
0: anything, you Here's can take the it quote. too far. Go ahead. Right. No, no. I I found the quote that I think you were trying to find, Adam. Because according to the patient's family, they say, never having met my father or his family, Dr. McKee yep. said, quote, when you weren't in the ICU, I had to spend time finding out if you transferred or died. Yeah. When we gaped at him, he said, well, 44% of hemorrhagic strokes die within 30 days. I guess this is the better option. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Right. And the doctor thought he was being jocular. That's the word he used. And maybe he was trying to be, but clearly... Um, that's really sensitive territory for uh, somebody who probably did face potential, you know, yeah. death in his experience, and you know you just don't want to be joking around about that <laughs> stuff unless you really know these people and know that that you know that sense of humor might play yeah. well with them.
1: Right, they should be called out for it. Yeah, <clears throat> but there's another one. T- so anyway, Adam, there's a quote after that too about say? his gown hanging open and how they the family had raised a concern about being exposed and the doctor was
0: like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're exposed. Right. Stop worrying about it. Yeah. And then they, they said, well, it matters to us, which it does. Yeah. I mean, that's just dismissing something like that is just so insensitive, Mm -hmm. but you know, he's a neurosurgeon and, I think we talked about this a little bit before. I mean, the more brilliant you have to be as a surgeon, neurosurgeon, cardiac surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, there seems to be like a corollary, you know, the less bedside manner and social, you know, emotional quotient you're likely to have. I don't know if that's proven anywhere, but, (laughs) you know, not to disparage all neurosurgeons, cardiac surgeons, but boy, that sure, that sure trends that way. Yeah, it does. Okay. So let's move on to something else. Uh, This is something that's interesting, I think, uh, for a number of reasons, because we have been talking about mainstream media and how they, you know, when they try to dip their toe into our world, they often stereotype or get it wrong or anything like that. And this kind of happened again uh, and triggered some thoughts in my mind, uh, mainly because the organization that the article is about is my healthcare system, Park Nicollet Health System, which I adore. I've used them for as long as I've been in the Twin Cities, and I think they do a fantastic job. Uh, and we actually talked about the ad that's, that's the focus of this article in our Super Bowl Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, store, our Super Bowl That's extravaganza, right. <laughs> because it was the only hospital ad that we saw, uh, and it was from Park Nicolet, and it was a regional buy, so people around the country wouldn't have seen it. Uh, and so, you know, initially, I'll have to say, bless you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> initially, I have to say, when I saw this and I read some of the initial quotes, I rolled my eyes because. Again, what we talked about with this ad uh is that you know, it was I thought it was it was clever and a little bit different, but it 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 goes right to the heart of why we struggle with brand advertising, which is uh it's all about them. Uh it's, you know, it's pure awareness building, and in some ways it's the worst kind because uh what they're trying to do, uh let me just describe it real quick. It says, when Park Nicollet rolled out a new marketing campaign earlier this year, the hospital system stepped out in a big way, a TV ad during Madonna's halftime show of the Super Bowl. The ad showed adults and kids jumping around, doing sit-ups, lifting weights, working on the computer. Their bodies were covered in scrawl that listed Park Nicollet's range of clinics and medical services as a toe-tapping, we've-got-you-cover jingle played. Uh, And so the the covering that they're talking about was all digital. Uh, So it kind of stood out to me a little bit. So first, here's one eye roll. This is the reporter saying, Not long ago, healthcare organizations might have viewed such overt brand marketing as unseemly. Uh, I assume he's not talking about 1964. Uh, (laughs) He's talking about, like, because he says, But as consumers get choosier about where to spend their healthcare dollars, and competition heats up among pharmacy chains and big box retailers, hospitals are finding it necessary to invest more to promote themselves. So again... You know, this is a famous saying from a local sports show guy alert the media, the Lindbergh baby has been kidnapped. You know, this has been going on for a couple decades now. uh, But I think what's happening here is this is another great PR story plant, and the article's trying to, or the author's trying to find some way to tie it topically to news. and I'm going to give you some of the negative up front because there's there's some really good stuff actually, uh, because once you dig in, I think there's there's more to celebrate here. Uh, but the big part of it, like I said, was the idea that they're trying to use this campaign um, to build awareness. And the the guy, the chief marketing officer, who comes from Target, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, uh, his name's Paul Deminsky. <clears throat> He's quoted as saying, when we sat down with focus groups. People knew we had Methodist Hospital, but they didn't know what all these other bits were. So they're referring to all like an orthopedic center and an eating disorder center and a cancer center. Uh, and then later, the agency representative who, t- who developed the campaign says, people didn't understand the scope of their offerings. This idea of riding all over the patient's bodies is wonderful and hysterical at the same time. So... My issue is less with their creative approach and more with their strategic goal of trying to overcome this idea that people don't understand their scope of their offerings, which is true of every hospital or health system. Because as we've said 6,000 times, Joe Public doesn't care. They're not going to know what you do. Uh, They don't need to know what you do. Uh, They don't need to understand the scope of your services. Only until they have a healthcare issue do they need to know in that specific area. So the almost... um, Who's the guy tilted at windmills? Do you remember from literature?
1: Who did what? An author?
0: (laughs) No, it's a famous classic story. And it's about a knight who used to fight when he'd joust windmills. And so it's become a... Metaphor for when you're spending a lot of energy trying to solve a problem that can't be solved. You're tilting at windmills, and the name of the guy who Don Quixote. Camera, I would say, sir. <laughs> is it Don Quixote? I think it's Don Quixote. I think you're right. Really? Um, I think so. So the idea that you're going to, it, you know, in the Twin Cities market, educate everybody at, to the complete scope of Park Nicolet services is misplaced. That's the part that drives me crazy because we see so many hospitals and health systems spending so much money trying to solve what we call the hidden gem syndrome. You know, hey, we're special, we're different, we have all these great services, and people just don't know. Uh, and then when you see the media celebrating that, uh, you know, my mind instantly leaps to the other CEOs in the market holding up the story going, See, we should be touting the 30 to 40 different service lines that we. Feature. Right, and I think so. I'll stop there, and let you guys say something before we get into some of the. Well, positives. this
1: also speaks to the the flaws that I think are inherent in um testing messages, because I think no matter what you test in healthcare marketing, the result is going to be that people don't know about what you do. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, yeah, I, and I, I d- and it's not it's it's the it's the answer to the testing, but it's not the answer to what you should be communicating. They don't know because to your point earlier, Chris, they don't need to know yet. It's just like, I don't know about, you know, car exhaust systems because I don't need to have new exhaust put on my car. I don't know about washers and dryers because I'm not in the market for washers and dryers. But as soon as I am, I'll know quite a bit about them because I'll probably end up researching them and figuring out what the options are. So if you did a, a survey to me to find out, you know, what, what it what is it that General Electric should be touting about their products and services? You know, okay. the result is probably going to be that I don't know much about their products and services. I don't know much about their washers and dryers, and that's because I don't right. need to know. Um, right. So, a, I think that's interesting. You know, I'll get the definitely give them props for creative advertising. To your point, too, Chris. I mean, their their approach to you know, while we may disagree with you know the the message. Um, or what, you know, what the overall goal is, it it certainly is a creative approach, you know, any message probably could have been, uh, used with that approach. Um, but it was, it was, it was a unique, you know, uh, innovative approach. I I liked the, the creative, um, bringing it up again here. The ad was, you know, well executed. It was, do you really see, I haven't, I haven't seen anything like that. You know, done like that before. You know, I've seen things done mm-hmm. with creative, hand-scripty text that comes together to form uh, shapes or or silhouettes and stuff, but not like they did it. So, I mean, there certainly was a lot of creativity um, involved in some creative minds, but yeah, it was just the what what they were addressing was a little off. Yeah, totally agree.
0: And and that's exactly right, Adam. I mean, what I would celebrate about this campaign—they kind of talk about a little bit earlier. Uh so the the Dominsky comes from Target and he's very open about the influence Target has on him and what he's trying to bring the organization which is only a good thing mm-hmm. to start with because as we say all the time healthcare desperately needs influences from outside our industry so uh it's great that he's in that position and that he's bringing that and where I think that really shines through in this campaign in particular uh, it talks about how um, you know he says he's quick to point out that marketing healthcare is far different from marketing tea kettles and, and summer dresses because that's really important to clarify. Uh, but it talks about his desire to create a marketing campaign for Park Nicollet that will quote surprise and delight. So when you see this ad, and we'll provide links uh, hopefully to the television spot, it does make you think of Target advertising, uh, the spirit of it, and and that I think uh, while I still you know, would advocate brand advertising should be last on your list. Uh, they're doing other things, so we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. It's not the only thing they're doing by a long shot. Uh, if you're going to do brand advertising, I love the idea that the sole intent of it would be to surprise delight around your brand. That, to me, is I could defend that far more than I could defend hey, we're trying to communicate all the different services we offer because we want people to know all those services. If all you're getting out of a brand advertising is that people feel surprised and or delighted about your brand, that's a great accomplishment. Yeah. That, is, that is something that Healthier could desperately use. So that part I love about this. And the other part that they're doing, they're doing a lot of different things. Uh, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, but they have, uh, first of all, this follows an internal, a year-long internal effort to help them understand what makes the organization unique. So truly understanding their brand at the brand experience level. Uh, that's a huge part of this. So it's not just the advertising. And that, of course, is also something we say, that should be your first focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're doing a lot of things internally to overhaul their culture uh, and and really try to drive a better brand experience. They use ethnographers and anthropologists uh, to better understand the patient experience. That's all brilliant stuff. Uh, but what I was getting at was they've overhauled their website. Uh, and their website wasn't horrible before, but it's great now and, and we'll provide a link to that as well uh, and that's part of this effort uh, equally uh, it's really simple to use it looks like something we would have created based on our philosophies our design style uh, we didn't create it I don't, I'm not sure who did but kudos to them because that's what a healthcare website should look like in my opinion mm-hmm. so uh, they're doing some great things just beyond this advertising which is also uh, important, and I'll end it with this. At the end of the article, <clears throat> Dominsky says the "Got You Covered" campaign is just a warm-up to bigger blitz to come. Uh, we're climbing a hill. We're trying to do things that are fun, low cost, and a little disruptive. Uh, what we're trying to say is that something different and special is happening at Park Nicollet, and you should pay attention. I think that's a fantastic goal, and I would hope that uh, as they move forward with their bigger blitz, uh, it is less focused on trying to educate and communicate. Here are all our services. Uh, and focuses even more on that fun, disruptive uh, expression of their brand, mm-hmm. I think that would be fantastic mm-hmm. totally so so I would say overall kudos to what they 're trying to do.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I have to learn a little more about yes. their flash I mean one of the things they talked about doing was having flash mobs mm-hmm. um, yeah yep there 's some videos online of them i 'm not sure that flash mob is necessarily the right word, you know obviously what to really know if a flash mob is, was a flash mob, you kind of have to see how it starts. Um, like how the people came together, if it felt like a random act of, you know, spontaneity, or if it felt, you know, if it feels scripted, like it's a, you know, a bunch, like a dance line, you know, that's less where everybody looks the same. You know, I don't, there's little, there's little subtle nuances that kind of differentiate a flash mob and not, not so subtle. Um, just looking at some of the videos. I mean, they're, they look, they're well done, um, videos. The dancers are, are executing the stuff. Well, um I just question whether or not it's actually a flash mob. You know, when, you, when I think flash mob, you think of like the scene from Grand Central Station where all of a sudden, you know, right. a bunch of people who didn't even look like they were coming together, you know, drop their trench coats. They all look the same, and they start doing this, you know, dance. Um, but if it's you know a bunch of people who you know get up and walk up and stand together wearing the same, I don't know. There's just there's 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 just, there's some weirdness there as to figure out uh, how it all started, I guess.
0: Yeah, and what we don't know is again, we don't know whether this is the reporter trying to make this seem more trendy and tie it to something newsworthy, uh, or whether it's the organization calling them flash mobs. I'll have to look at them. I didn't. No, check I, out I was that just video looking at they've
1: got a series of videos from different events where they had the,
0: the their flash mobs. Yep okay so one more here and this is an article that you brought forward uh, Adam but I just love this stuff this is probably my if I won the lottery and <laughs> could retire from working I would probably devote my entire you know I would I would spend all day learning and trying things around uh, behavioral economics because yeah. it just fascinates yeah, me, me it is interesting uh, it, there's so many books I've read based on it that just have changed my whole approach and perspective on marketing. Uh, this one is, is talking about uh, a new book called Nudge, uh, which is uh, based on behavioral uh, economics. And it's basically the premise is that uh, behavioral economics – economists have found that all sorts of psychological or neurological biases cause people to make choices that seem contrary to their best interests. That's the heart and soul of behavioral economics. The idea of nudging is based on research that shows it is possible to steer people toward better decisions by presenting choices in different ways. And it kind of mm-hmm. talks about how Barack Obama has created a team, which he they nicknamed the Nudge Unit, um, of behavioral economic economists. I'm going to struggle with that to try different ways to move people toward better choices uh, related to whatever. And this, this article is just full of examples. Now, Adam, have you read this book? No, not yet. Only this article, but okay. I, I'm you, looking forward to reading it. You posted the article. Yeah. That's why I posed it to you. A- Jackie, have you read this book? No. No, I haven't. Okay.
1: But it does seem cool.
0: Here's an example, okay? So basically what they're doing is they're, they're they're running experiments, and that's how you know whether this stuff works or not in each case. In one trial, a letter sent to non-payers of vehicle taxes was changed to use pointer English along the lines of, quote, pay your tax or lose your car, unquote. In some cases, the letter was further personalized by including a photo of the car in question. The rewritten letter alone doubled the number of people paying the tax. The rewrite that included the photo tripled it. So that's the example of nudging people just using different language or different triggers. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love this one. A study in the teaching of technical drawing in French schools found that if the subject was called geometry, so that was the only difference, what are you going to call this? If it was called geometry, boys did better in the class. But if it was called drawing, girls did equally well or better. That's so super interesting. Just what you call it, you know, mm-hmm. and that what you set it up as is going to impact how people actually perceive it, or, in, or, in, or engage, engage, engage with, with it, 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 and perform.
1: behave. Yeah,
0: and perform. That's the key: behave and perform. Right. You yeah. know, and
1: that, that really, I mean, that backs up my stance that that you know I've had for a long time, Chris. I think you and I have disagreed on this um, in the past, and probably maybe still do. It's just I, that I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily productive for hospital marketing departments to be called marketing departments. I know that's what they do. I know that's the role. Um but the term in and of itself has such a negative connotation across you know across all industries for that for that matter, but especially in, in healthcare where people feel that it's uh, wasteful, inappropriate almost um yet it's essential. It's essential in the way that our our mm-hmm. system is set up for health for healthcare organizations to be able to market themselves. Um so it's, I've, n- I've never advocated for, you know, the, the, the healthcare marketers doing anything. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I was going to say doing anything different. I, was, I advocate for that pretty much every day. <laughs> um, but just in, in general, you know, what they do, being marketers is, is not bad. But, you know, I've always thought that that just wasn't a good name for the department because it's not helping them uh, internally at all in many cases. What would you call them? I don't know. That's the thing. You know, I guess it comes, uh, I mean, communications would probably play a role, but that's kind of, you know, that's different than... This different yeah. than marketing at the core of it. I mean, marketing is about communicating, but communications is so much more than marketing. So I don't know. I'm not sure what you would call it. Some Maybe something around patient experience, um, uh, messaging. I don't know. I don't know. But
0: mm-hmm. Run some tests.
1: You no, know, they'll only produce, they'll there only are produce organizations. inaccurate
0: results. <laughs> <laughs> there are organizations that don't use marketing. Um, I believe at Innova Health System, I could be wrong about this, but there is a there is a position titled like Vice President of Relationships or something like that to try to get to more of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh whether that's better or not, I don't I don't know. But uh, the trick with that, I think, Adam, and, and where we disagree is I think marketing the problem isn't that marketing isn't um Necessary or legitimate. It's it's what you're saying that so many people misunderstand marketing, so it has a negative perception right, right. Uh, within the organization. So you know, to me, I struggle with well, let's change it because the rubes don't know what we're trying to do. Uh, but if you can find a way to describe it that makes your life easier and lets you do more of what you need to do, then you know, I'm not going to argue with that. I just don't know what it would be either. either. That's where you get stuck. I mean, the Mm -hmm. flip
1: side of that too is that to your point, Chris, you, you educate, you educate the people who, who would come down on you or, or, or not agree with your, the fact that you exist because you're marketing, educating them on the value you bring and what you really do and how it's not, you know, about wasteful spending, but it's about, you know, improving lives or, you know, whatever approach you want to take, uh, you know, education certainly could be
0: a component of it as well.
1: Turn mm-hmm. those people mm-hmm. around.
0: Well, obviously, this plays a role in so many ways when you're talking about uh, accountable care, if that's something we're still going to be dealing with after the Supreme Court weighs in. Uh, though, again, that side of it, not to get back into that whole thing, from everything I hear from leaders around the country in healthcare on the provider side, they're going to move forward with this type of uh, structure and strategy, whether or not it's forced on them because they see the benefit in it. Uh, But if you're trying to focus as much on folks' health as healing them, then you really have to engage them in a partnership uh, and, you know, using philosophies like behavioral economics and nudging Mm -hmm. uh, could make a big difference in what they do. The article talks about how uh, folks have a tendency uh, to pick a default option when they have a range of choices. So, for example... Uh, in England, they're changing the default option for corporate pension plans so that you're automatically enrolled. You have to opt out as opposed to opting in, with the goal that that will have more people actually saving for their retirement. Uh, and that's something they're looking at here in the U.S. too. Is that something that can help people with retirement? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a g- great example of uh, you know, you let's say you're diabetic and you need to see your doctor. Two times a year, uh, and that's you know the best practice to make sure you're you're getting the treatment you need or the follow up you need. Uh, You know, basically setting those automatically, setting those appointments automatically six months out would be an example. And you have to opt out, or you have to go in and change that appointment, as opposed to basically the way it is now, which is opt in, Mm -hmm. meaning you are responsible for setting up that appointment. Uh, imagine how many more people would get the treatment they need if it was if it was the former, not the latter, yeah. so very interesting stuff yeah it is okay, well, we're bumping up on that forty minute the magical forty minute mark
1: <laughs> a lot of stuff
0: yeah, good stuff today mm-hmm. good stuff, so let's sign off for this week. For the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast, this is Chris Bevelo.
1: Jackie Retackle.
0: And Adam Meyer. We will talk to you next week. Oh, one more thing. Don't forget to check out our video on Digital Dogma. That's up and available in our workshop section on our website. Forgot to tell you.